Hi, folks. This is Gene Mims. Once again, welcoming everybody to the 204060 podcast. We're here, as usual, on board with none other than the great Jared, new songwriter. Jared Runyon is killing it, man. He introduced a new song a couple of weeks ago at my local, and we all like that. Banner night, good night. And Jeff Mims, pastor of Judson Baptist Church. Also just released a new song that he wanted to sing he a cappella right, right here. right now. Just right this just for second. the podcast. Oh, I guess he forgot. No. Which one was it? No. Can't remember. Well, whatever. Achy Breaky Heart. That was yeah, it. I think that was what it was. You can do that. That was a high school hit. I'd get there. And, I, uh, I've danced to the Achy Breaky Heart boys. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't want to. Back when line dancing was hot. Really, really wouldn't want to admit that. Hope it, hope it wasn't at church. Wasn't it wasn't a church I was associated with. No, it wasn't with a church. It was a college thing. Yeah? That was big. I like line dancing, you know. I miss the shirts, the Garth Brooks shirts, oh, you know, man. that were so hot. Everybody dressing alike. It was so good. You know, <laughs> achy, breaky heart. Rang- Took the hokey pokey to another level. It's, it's hey, Wrangler jeans, baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get it right. Boot scooting, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we're way, way off the track here. I we'll, should have never said we'll that about Jeff right now. You, you have absolutely ruined the Rabbit here. trail. So and, good. And believe it or not, we're going to talk about uh, – the disciplines of leaders in our generations. And uh, let's just chase, uh, first of all, some of our personal uh, and professional, spiritual and, and uh, disciplines and habits that are important to the leadership. Jared, you lead you lead now a burgeoning group of people in small groups and in worship at my local, um, part of a, you know, part of a, a penetrating really college campus ministry uh, that, that, that you were kind of handed and yet, you know, you've kind of gotten your traction over this. So what what do you feel about your leadership over your key team and people like that? And, of course, Jeff's got a church here, multi-staff church and things like that. I've got a country church with nobody in it, <laughs> but I'm still a leader. I don't care what you say. I'm still a leader. Yeah. I will lead. You are doing a fantastic job leading Phil and Drew. I know. <laughs> Phil and Drew are on my staff. We've got 82 committed saints out there. I think Gene told me one time, if you think you're leading and nobody's following, you're just taking a walk. That's pretty mm-hmm. much what I've been doing. That's it. It's cold. No, it's great. Uh, my leadership out there is so fundamentally different from anything I've ever done. So it's fun. So let's chase it. Jared, you go first. Yeah, I've, I've actually thought about this quite a bit um, because I've, I've noticed, if I can just be honest, like the whole my local thing is a new thing for me. And I noticed how difficult it is to try to inspire people when I'm not inspired myself. Mm, that's a good word. And when you're on empty and you're trying to pump vision into something and you don't quite have clear vision, it's really exhausting. So my big thing this year, I mean, this is a, a, a kind of vague thing, but my big thing this year is just to be more inspired, um, to be more full of the spirit and to mm. get that flow right of generating um health on the inside so whatever's happening on the outside is is working right and there's a scripture on that and um in daniel 11 it says the people who know god shall be strong and do exploits mm. and i just noticed that flow of like you, you get that sweet spot with the lord there is strength there and then the stuff just kind of comes out of it and um that's just one thing i'm trying to really keep my attention focused mm. on my time with the lord every day it's just got to be really really strong. But I, I read this quote of, um, excellence isn't, uh, an event, but it's a, uh, 
it's a flow of habits or it's a it's what you repeatedly do mm-hmm. so i'm curious from from your guys standpoint what are the staple habits of um, either the daily the weekly the monthly that you guys have in place to say if i do these things i'm going to be healthy down the road well two or three things uh, about that first of all what you say about leadership one thing I think leaders don't do enough is to say not so much why am I leading, but, you know, what am I leading? What am I leading to? Because that changes your behavior. If you've got an organization that's messed up and needs fixing, repairing, that's one kind of leadership. You come in, you're an interventionist, you don't, you know, you tell them what to do and whatever. If you've got a little healthier organization, uh, that's something different. If you've got a new organization And like my local, that's not quite settled. Your leadership is quite different uh, from that. But what you said is absolutely the truth. Uh, I remember a guy told me a long time ago uh, that worked for me, he said, when when God starts speaking to you, it just flies over me and I get better. Mm -hmm. And I realized right there as a leader that my spiritual walk uh, really has an impact on a lot of people. You know, it's not just what I say and what somehow – Somehow when I do better, he just said, it flies over me. It's, you know, it, it comes out of you and comes over us, but especially me and our organization. And everybody in the room kind of shook their head. That's exciting and scary all at the it same is, time. It, it is, because when you don't do that and when you drift and you don't pay attention. And nothing's uh, flying over people's heads. Exactly, yeah. or the wrong thing is. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, if you get cynical or if you get kind of defeatist or something like that, hmm. but when God's really speaking to you, working through you and whatever, then leadership uh, well, I don't know if it's easy, but it's it's easy in the sense that it's a little more focused and you know where you're going and what to do. So I think those spiritual habits are huge. Yeah. I, for me, that generally revolves around quiet space. Yeah, I have to have it uh, to read, to pray. Um, I have to remind myself to pray, that that's just it's easy to do everything else in the day uh, and not, I mean, to have done good things, but maybe not the right things. You know, I mean, it, it's good to do work at church or whatever, but maybe there were things you were missing because you you weren't spending time in prayer. And uh, that's something that I, I know about my life that has to be there. Uh, I, I like to read a lot. Um, and as a leader, I feel like when you, when you read, you are better equipped to lead. And so I want to read things that help me professionally, that uh, deal with management and vision and organizational skills, as well as theological books that are going to challenge me. Um, I think it's important to read. Uh, even, you know, sometimes it feels like maybe if you're a pastor that this wouldn't be where you're living at, is to go into the Lifeway Christian store. You need to know what the top 20 books are and why everybody thinks they're so great, because a lot of times they're not, and you need to know why. You know, they have shaky theology or whatnot, and you need to be able to to answer that. I spend uh, time every month talking with other leaders who inspire me for different reasons. Some of them are leaders who are almost like you wouldn't expect that they'd be leading the organizations they're leading, and you scratch your head a little bit going, "Why, why is that guy there? And I want I want to spend time with him because I I think a lot of times they're there because of God's favor in their life and there's something maybe in the deeper life that they have they may not be the greatest um, you know 
executive type leaders in the world, but I want to be with them. I spend time talking with friends who I think are good leaders who pastor churches that are smaller than our church, uh, who I think do a great job leading their church. And I feel like I glean a lot from them. Anytime I, and I probably learned this from you, dad, is that anytime you can be around somebody who's a high capacity person, you're going to be better and you're going to pick up things that you haven't even realized were missing in your life. You know, it's kind of like watching QVC. You know, you turn it on and go, I never knew we needed that. <laughs> and then you have to buy it. You know, it's a, a blender that blends five different ways or something, you know, something totally random. But when you're around high caliber leaders from any industry uh, or, or whatever, you, you just pick up on things. Um, and so there's that learning, there's that learning curve that I think takes place. And, um, then I like to I like to read a lot of stuff that has zero to do with leadership, church, theology, anything. I like to read biographies. I always pick up a lot from that. I like reading uh, histories. I love I love a good Western fiction. Mm. Uh, you know, you can read a Louis L'Amour novel and you know exactly how they're going to end every time. Uh, but there's something about reading that that is just good for you. It it stirs the imagination, and I think helps us. When I do know this, when um, when I don't practice the habit of rest, uh, like we we've mentioned before, I'm uh, I'm completely an ineffective leader. When you the longer you live as a leader, the less uh, techniques and you know sayings you put on the wall and whatever are important to you. You sort of have found your way to lead and if you've had enough different kind of experiences then you realize I can you know I can be all things all men if by all means I might win some and so uh you know my generation what what I kind of lament in my generation I have a lot of guys my age who are who are leaving the pastorate which I totally understand they're retiring they've been at it a long time and and all of this but but I wonder what they have left and what I've discovered is that leading now for me is a little more collaborative than it used to be hmm. and a lot more listening. And I, w- I want to just give a shout-out to Jared here. Jared is an incredible listener. Hmm. Uh, you can watch him uh, in a group or or in a setting, and he's listening and writing and learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's really the mark, you know, of a great listener. I'm not a good listener, you know, and, and it's it takes a lot of focus for me to really listen. But – uh, and these, at this stage in my generation's life, uh, our, my great joy is to help other leaders, for one thing, uh, and to really maybe ask a question or every now and then insert a comment or whatever, and then watch guys like you uh, struggle, you know, realizing, you know, having been there and having watched that and led through that, having realized that what you see as a struggle, I see as building a success, you know, what you feel uh, inadequate for because I've been at it a long time I see as strength hmm. and what's kind of nice is to be able to sit with you and just maybe ask you a question that gets you thinking about something rather than when I was 30 years old and didn't have time to do that say look we got to do this right here yeah. you you know you got to do this and so we've had many conversations and out of those conversations uh, you've done some things that I thought were really good that I just maybe asked a question about or gave a possibility toward Hopefully not to say, Jerry, you need to do this. You know, I, I, I don't think that's where leadership at this age and level, uh, you know, really helps anybody. The other thing about it 
is that you reach a point in time in your life as a leader that you can probably lead anything. That sounds a little crazy, but you don't have to have expertise in the field that you lead in. What you have to have is uh, a good life and heart, and you have to have discernment and the ability to know people. And once you know people and can read their body language and, you know, their rejection or acceptance, it doesn't matter what the issue is. You know, it doesn't matter what the, the, the context is, so to speak. Uh, it could be in a factory. It could be in a corporation. It could be in a mom-and-pop store or whatever else. But leadership is gained. and It's not a skill only. It's a skill that matches, you know, uh, you know a person's life. And I think that's one thing. I wish my generation did a little more of that instead of fussing about people all the time, you know, and whatever. But learning, you know, it's a big stretch for, for me to sit with your key team, for instance, and listen to that and observe that because I don't quite understand it all, you know. And if if I think about it long enough, I'd probably just get afraid and, and withdraw. And I think that's what leaders my generation are doing when they ought to be right down in the middle of it, trying to learn again and say, hey, what, why did, you know, why do you think that? What are you doing? So, I want to highlight something that both of y'all have touched on, this idea of getting around people who just know more than you mm-hmm. do or just maybe know differently than you do. Because, I mean, from personal experience, like I've – I'm not just saying this because Gene's in the room, but I've, I'm, I've come to realize that our next strategy is whatever follows Gene saying, hey, what about if, like all of our good ideas this past six months have come out of conversations where he really lobbies an idea that's like, hey, that has really worked. We're going to run with that. And the value of that in my life has been huge. What if they're, speak to the guy that's like 20 and he's like, how do I find somebody who's 40 or 60 and start to build that relationship where I can share the struggle and they can really highlight what's important, what's not important. And particularly maybe like the way the local church could play into that, this intergenerational idea. I think there's two things. First of all, you'll find more of them in church than anywhere else, but that's where people are most available. But uh, in my experience over many, many years, if I tried to spend time with somebody who didn't seem to be interested in me, then I knew you know, that wasn't going to work. It's just a waste of time. Now, now I could go hear the guy lecture something and get something from it, but as far as really impacting, but the moment somebody showed interest in me, uh, I was like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And I can remember so often, because here's what happens. When they're interested in you and, and, and it doesn't cost you or them anything, it's just they're just interested in you, uh, you get so excited that somebody really – you know, really and truly cares about you because when I was 20, nobody knew or cared about me. That's what I thought, but it wasn't true. I remember being a pastor in Richmond, Virginia, and there were two men who who just took an inordinate amount of interest in me. And one, you know, was a was a preacher of great renown, and you know, I mean, he was he was a hero to me. And uh, he would just call periodically and say, "Now, why don't you come by and uh, let's go to lunch?" Or sometimes we wouldn't go to lunch; we just sit around and talk. And it was gold to me. It was, you know, uh, I, I would have loved to do that anyway, but he, he, made the, he made the effort. I think you can ask somebody, and if they kind of blow you off or if you don't connect or you feel like they're just doing this because they've been assigned to do it, that's probably not going to help you. But you find that one person that's just interested in you, 
and and sees well into the not, he's not worried about your mistakes or your foibles or what you don't know he's just happy to be with you uh, had another guy there and he was good on the uh, management side early early on was good on the management uh, strategy planning long range planning he'd done he'd done hours and hours of that and you talking about at the associational level yeah there? yeah right at uh, mm-hmm. right down at the associational level which a lot of pastors don't even fool with and like like we've got an associational director here that's wonderful but i i guarantee a lot of uh, church planners and pastors that don't know that this guy wasn't in my association he was he was you know the missionary in another association mm-hmm. But he took an interest in me for years. I mean, for years. And every time he ever saw me after I moved from Richmond, whether it was at a convention or a conference somewhere, and we were together for years at the Baptist World Alliance meetings overseas, you know, every time he ever saw me, he always had something positive to say. And he always said it in a way that I knew he was keeping up with me and I didn't know it. We didn't have to talk. We didn't mm-hmm. write letters or call or whatever often, but he knew, and man, I couldn't wait to see him. I'd soak it up. So whenever he said something like, have you ever thought about, uh, you could better believe I was going to think about it. Because I knew he had nothing but my best interest in my – he didn't want anything out of me, you know, whatsoever. Neither one of those guys ever asked anything uh, of me. So I say it's like fishing. You know, just keep – you know, the worst – the worst thing that you can do is go to a lecture or go to a place where a guy's speaking or whatever. You can get a ton out of that. The best thing that could happen is you get to know that fella. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if you wanted to know music people or songwriters or, or whatever else, just try to find that person that would just encourage you. I learned a long time ago you have not because you ask not. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are afraid to ask. And sometimes when you ask, the answer is no. But... I mean, if you get over your pride and insecurity of asking and somebody saying, I just don't have time for that or, or whatnot, then it, you know, you get a lot more positive response than you would, would generally, would generally realize. I mean, the, oh, yeah. the people, people, uh, like to think they're important and you asking them for help makes them realize that they're important to somebody. That's true. Uh, I think the hard part for us, especially when we're younger is that most of the time our skill sets don't grow until we hit a crucible issue in our life where we realize they need to grow. You know, you, you generally, I mean, most of us think, I mean, unless you have a, like a completely warped psyche, you generally think you're pretty good, you know, at, at whatever you're doing. And it's hard to, it's hard to recognize your blind spots. And so asking people to, if, if, if I was a young pastor in Nashville, I would do just what I did as a young pastor in Virginia. I found, two guys who had been pastoring in the area for 15 years who were friends. And I just started asking them if we could have lunch once in a while. And at first it felt awkward because they didn't really know like why I was wanting to have lunch. Sometimes we talked about church, sometimes we didn't, but I figured they had a lot of experience. And and what I found came out of that was that there would be times when I would say, well, this is what I'm going to do. And they would go, oh, you know, and you'd say, not good, you know, and they'd be like, I don't know, man. And and it would at least make you pause and say, well, maybe my church is different than theirs and we should do this. But I think people always evaluate when you ask somebody to spend time with you, they want to know a number of things. Is Are you just, you know, on a career track here? Are you just ambitious and you want to drop a name? What do you want from me? Exactly. Yeah. And and if if they find out... You know, I just want to be with you. 
you know, just I want to, I want to learn, you know, what you know or whatever. And that's, that's really, that's really kind of a different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would just say that that's, that's a, that's a really great thing to do is just to find people who are just a little bit ahead of you. Uh, I, I think one of the things that I've, I've seen in Gene's life be a shift. And I, I'd love to know for you if it's a shift of mentality or a shift of priority or a shift of time constraints or maybe all three that has led you to this. But I would doubt, and maybe you'd correct me on this, but I'm making an assumption that uh, when you were pastoring as a 40-year-old, you were you weren't maybe as concerned with developing your staff to be leaders as you are today or even as you were at Lifeway. What was the what was the shift there for you? Was it I had more time, or I could do it, or or a shift of mentality, or I mean, what? Well, what one changed? Thing, one thing that helped me to shift that is that I had a staff member who worked for me in uh, in Cleveland, who was just not getting it. I mean, he he, I just felt like he was uh, lazy. I felt like he wasn't teachable. He was a nice guy. He really was, and so I determined I was going to get rid of him. I just thought, because that's what I was hearing. Hey, you know, all these pastors that I'd hear, well, I don't put up with that and whatever, realizing they're lying through their teeth. But anyway, uh, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. But I got to thinking about that and talking about one of the habits that you have to have as a, as a leader is, is the habit of, of, of getting God's discernment, getting discernment from the Lord. And, you know, Later on, I learned to pray before every meeting. Lord, I'm going in here. We're going to make decisions about people's lives or whatever. And so this guy was really, really bad and wasn't wasn't really trying to get to get well. And I got so angry, and then I realized that my anger was my own failure. Hmm. That I haven't I hadn't developed this guy. I hired him. He came straight out of seminary, and uh, I told him I brought him out of my office. I said I'd fire you today because you know you're not doing well and I know you're not doing well uh, I would fire you today except it would really be a reflection on me and I'm going to make you something and uh, I didn't want to do it <laughs> I didn't want to do it well he's now you know doing well he's down in another state over association and I'm just so proud of him you know and those were rough times and it was really my immaturity because I was trying to get somewhere you know I was trying to be the preacher mm-hmm. I had staff members that were older than I was and I was, I needed help. I needed yeah. work. You know, I was, I was in a pretty rough position. So when I got to Lifeway, I realized a number of things. Number one, I, 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 I had given the impression for years that I was sort of a lone wolf, and really nothing ever significant. Anything ever uh, that ever happened in my life that was ever significant was always with a team. Hmm. And I really love teams. Now, I like to lead the team, but I really realized that. And so I thought, okay, I've got this, I've got all this wisdom here, and uh, I'm going to build a team, and I'm I'm going to give them the ability to go and do and whatever else. And when they can't, I can be hard on them. I can I can be demanding on them and make it rough, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stretch them and push them, and you know some of these guys are going to hate me, but at the end of the day, they're going to do better, and uh, and they did, and. And so I began to realize that was a big shift for me to realize as a leader, you have to build the people around you. And I remember telling two guys that worked for me one day, I said, it's my goal that one day uh, one of you will take my job and either I'll work for you because you'll be that good 
or you know, or you'll just have my job, and and one of you will be beyond where where I am, and you'll be working for him or whatever. And they were both shocked at that, but I really meant it, and it gave me something else to do that was a little bit different uh, than than just trying to make money, you know, for the corporation or organize this and and uh, do whatever. And uh, so so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I didn't want to be a coach necessarily. But I wanted to be good at at building the lives of people. Now that all sounds good, but I had at uh, one time fourteen re- direct reports for me at uh, Lifeway, and we had very different personalities. A lot of them didn't even like me, didn't like what we were doing, and whatever. And that was a challenge, but I still gave it all I had, all I could do, you know, for them. I didn't. See, I think that's an, I think that's next level leadership. It's it's. Leadership starts with the ability to lead yourself. You you can't lead the financial seminar to get out of debt when you're hocked to your eyeballs. It, it doesn't work. It's like leading the weight loss seminar while you eat the cheeseburger. It it just doesn't work. You if you don't have the ability to lead yourself, then you can't lead others. But then, and so what's the habit of self leadership? So there are disciplines that are a part of that. Yeah, and and, and instant prayer or or prayer. Ten seconds before you go into a meeting that's not going to be a good meeting is is huge, yeah. Because it'll keep your tongue and, and keep your mind from panicking or your tongue from saying something that you yeah. don't yep. need to say. Staying in the word. I remember one time there was a guy who had done something uh, where I where I worked before, and uh, I had the opportunity really to nail him. I mean, to to crush his life, you know, forever. I was really angry at him and whatever. And I remember in a devotion reading that morning in the book of Romans where it says, you know, God was just basically saying, look, I'll take care of any avenging. That's not your job. And it stopped me mm-hmm. from ruining a guy's career. You know, uh, I knew he didn't like me, didn't want me there. And I, I didn't like him, but I wasn't free as a leader to do that yeah. when I could have done it. You know, that, and let me tell you, that was tough for me, to be honest with you, because I was so angry. And and everybody would have understood it, and most people would have applauded it, but it was the wrong thing to do. Yeah, and that's hard, but that's that's self leadership. Next leadership is maybe leading an organization or a, but I think that next level is when you start to lead the people behind you to be leaders, and you're helping develop them because you realize. I'm I'm thinking about you know some of our some of our staff members right now who they're not going to be here. I mean, yeah. they're going. They're going somewhere else. Uh, their their leadership track is going to take them to a spot that isn't what they're currently doing, and uh, you you can kind of be frustrated sometimes, saying, "Well, I I need them to do, just do this," mm-hmm. but yet you have a. I think you have a stewardship and a responsibility as a leader to try to get better yourself so that you can lead them for their fullest potential because ultimately they're not working for Judson Baptist Church. They're working for the kingdom. Well, I'll tell you another you thing, know. Jeff. If they leave well, uh, your organization actually gets better. If they leave badly, it gets worse. Yeah. Because you can replace a bad leader uh, or or a person who leaves badly with somebody who's ten times better, but it won't be better. Mm-hmm. And so it's so when you lose 
and have built up somebody to go and be a leader, your church gets better. Yeah. Your organization gets better. Yeah. Uh, even if it's a competitor in an organization, it just gets better. Well, I think that's part of the, I think that's part of the, that next level leadership that I feel like I'm having to grow into is, is to be able to say to someone, uh, you have more potential than maybe you realize. And we're going to ask you to do this skill set that you didn't think about. And you may feel like you're going to be failing at first, but we're going to help you and spend time with you and coach you to get there because ultimately it's going to make you better and the kingdom better and, and will be better. I'll tell you, there's another part to this too. There's this thing about the, the, this, the generations and whatever you ask how it changed and whatever. Uh, your generation is so much different from Jared's generation. Uh, Bill Seaver sitting in the room producing our show today. Uh, when Seaver was working for me at Lifeway and eating our groceries, man, that boy could eat. Uh, <laughs> I think he did it just to spite us, really. But, see, I could be hard on Bill mm-hmm. because I had a relationship with him. I'm not hard on you. I don't. I, we don't have that relationship. My relationship with you is fundamentally different from what I put Bill through, or even Jeff. Mm-hmm. When Jeff came on staff here, just to be hard on Jeff, just – Say you're no good, you know, or you're you're doing great one one day, and hey, why don't you do this? When are you gonna get when are you gonna get up and do something? You know, I don't want to hear all that. Uh, it's a different generation now, and your generation isn't used to that. You know, isn't doesn't respond. I don't think too well for that. It kind of it's kind of mm-hmm. scares them or defeats them or whatever else. And it, it's uh, I'm not talking about joking around. I'm talking about you know. They're snowflakes. They're all special and individualized. Well, they are individuals. But you know, when I was at Lifeway, we had people who who were really, really sharp and really, really proud. I wore them out. I'd ask them questions I knew they couldn't answer just just to let them know, you know, look, you don't know everything. And and uh, the best ones would get so mad at me. They could, you know, you think they're going to hit you. But you could just see them grow and see them get better and mm-hmm. see them. Man, they give you those answers, or they, or they take over that situation. I'm so proud of them. You, know, my job there wasn't really to get them to like me. My job there was to develop them. But yours is a different generation. I think, I, th- I think you have to listen a lot more, you know, to what you all are saying, and and try to understand a lot more. But I can do that because I'm not 40 years old. You know, I'm not trying to learn about this myself. Yeah, and and I would just say this. This may sound a little funny, but one of the one of the best resources that I've ever heard about intergenerational um, work situations where millennials are involved and you're having to work with millennials if you're older than them actually came from Perry Noble, who used to be the pastor at New Spring Baptist uh, or New Spring Church in uh, South Carolina. And, And I can't remember if it was, I think it was a blog post that they had actually done based on a podcast he did where he talked about his own, uh, his own shortcomings when he was a millennial's age working for a senior adult pastor in a small country church mm. and how that pastor walked him through that and how he then has related to millennials. And a friend of mine maybe two years ago had called me and was talking about a millennial he was working with and they just were not seen eye to eye. It was a real, it, it, it was almost about to be explosive. And I said, I know what I'm, I'm about. I said, I'm going to say this name. You need to go listen to Perry Noble. And I knew this guy would have a visceral reaction because he's not part of the contemporary kind of church thing. And everything that that church stood for was really hard for him to swallow. But he went and listened to it. And he called me back later and said, that's probably the most insightful thing I've ever heard about listening and understanding and 
kind of coaching and it really fundamentally changed their relationship. And I thank God for Perry being able to put that out there. Um, it, w- it was helpful. I'm curious about something, though. You said that you were harder on Jeff than you would be on me. Why do you think that – because I, I would agree. I think uh, in order to – a lot of my friends, when they talk about their bosses that they're not fond of, it's because they're hard on them. You know, they, they He's like, well, he doesn't like me, and he doesn't – think i'm good at this or because you don't you know, don't get the participation trophies at work i'm curious what do you think that is is that just uh, i do think it's a generational thing i think i think part of it too is that i'm older mm-hmm. you know and i'm not nearly as threatened by this you know i've been down too many trails yeah the second thing is that i, I have just discovered a genuine interest in your age group it just happened and i don't know why but uh i think uh, just relating to you guys and having you guys in our home and, and, you know, doing the, the Sunday small group, uh, together. And it's, it's just, uh, it's sort of that thing like, well, we're interested in them and they're kind of interested in us. And, uh, we all, and I always feel like we can just be us, you know, who we are. And, uh, when, like when you guys are at the house or when we're, you know, hanging out at my local, it's just, it doesn't matter. And, and I don't try to be your age for one thing. You know, and I don't expect you to be my age and have all this experience and whatever. It's just kind of nice to hang out and hear hear from you because I'm interested in reaching this generation. I really am, and it's it's a it's a strong heartbeat that I have, and uh, it's I'm fascinated by it. To be honest with you, you know, sometimes I shake my head because I don't understand it, but it's just it's an interesting thing i think some of that too is that we're now four generations away from the greatest generation so the people that went to work day in day out and all these things we've talked about if we sat down with your dad and said um hey vo what are your goals for this year oh my goodness he'd tell you to go fly a kite and hit you in the head go to work that's what you're going to do you're going to work he said i want you to go get your lunch what is your problem you go to work that's what we do we work you know there wasn't all of this – there was no feeling attached to it. And plus the work was you know, different. Yeah. See, work today has a lot to do with I can work at home. I don't have to work constantly. I, it, so the idea, different. And that's what I mean. The idea – so they watched their parents grow up in a you do all for the company. I watched my parents grow up. Uh, you do all for the company, but the company is probably going to hose you at some point. Uh, Enron, you, you know, I don't know if you would remember that, but in the Enron scandal where they basically, you know, ruined people's lives because they they had, you know, underfunded a pension that they had promised these people who didn't save for anything else. And and the guy, you know, the, the executive was stealing. We've seen all that. And so, but we still have some of that vestiges of working in the traditional environment. You guys don't. So you can make a living today. I guess being an Uber Eats driver or something. I mean, I don't know. You know, you're basically a 1099 employee. I mean, people are doing it. You know, I mean, people are finding a way to make it work. They're not starving. So it's a different mentality. And I think when we talk about your generation, you have already floated around to more places. College in Australia. I mean, I would have never thought about going to college in Australia. That wasn't even available. I didn't know anybody from Australia, you know. You've been there, lived there for a couple of years, come back. Uh, you know, you've had multiple job opportunities, toured the country, different things like that. And that that's not that unusual for people your age. I mean, whereas for me, if in my generation, that would have been somebody highly unusual who was 
studying abroad for a semester at Cambridge or something in the traditional sense of things. So there, there is that, that certain sense, I think, of the different work mentalities and how we relate to our bosses. I mean, my bosses came out of the greatest generation. I was still working for people that were his dad's age when I first started working. You know, they were, they were my bosses at the supermarket and stuff like that, you know, managing the store. And so it was just very different. Whereas today, you, you just have a different opportunity in front of you than has ever existed. Totally. Not saying that's good or bad, by the way. It's just different. But I've told friends of mine before, I'm like, yeah, for some reason, Gene's just really interested. Like he just, you know, he just cares. I'm curious, how do you, is, was there like a moment that happened for you where you're like, light bulb, all of a sudden I just, I'm just curious about 20 year old people and what they think and what they do. How do you, because I think there are pastors that think I would like to be more interested in the whatever generation, fill in the blank, but they just don't, they don't care or they don't, you know, yeah. whatever. How, like, where did that come from? Was I that just know. totally out of nowhere? Well, I think it's a God given thing, you know, that you wake up one day and there, there was that opportunity in these relationships and, it sort of just kind of happened, connected, you know, and uh, time too. I think a lot of it was around ministry, you know, and so that was easy. And 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 there's nothing that you experience that has to threaten me, hmm. you know. That's another thing. I'm not. Th- I mean, the way you travel and what you do and how you make your living, it's it's not a big deal to me. And my, my, and my, it, the older you get, the more tolerant you are. I was just about to say, senior adults become liberals. That's that's the big thing, right? You know, well, you it's do. a it's different. Like, nothing it's, nothing that was important is as important. Well, it's like, well, look, I know where that's going, and it's not really going to hurt you. That's right. You know, it's just you'll wake up one day. And, but you but you had time too, and that was a different life stage. No children at home. You know, uh, you know, different phase of life in ministry, and uh, I mean, time is the great currency of your generation. Well, uh, right? and, totally. you know, I mean, I'm so fortunate to be here at Judson that gives me the opportunity to do that without having to take the whole load. I couldn't do it if I was in Jeff's sp- seat. You know, it would just – he's got too much other things. This is just one part of it that you know, he can't get to it. And so I'm afforded that opportunity here, and it's a blessing. And I'm blessed, I'm blessed by people here saying, go do it, yeah. you know, sort of. Earn my stripes, and they, they if, hey, if that's what Gene wants to do, <laughs> and that's what he wants to do, you know, uh, let him do it. He's the pastor. He helped us, you know, whatever else. They're not, they're not patronizing. No, they're happy by proxy. They are. They're, they're, if, if it's good, then it's good. And I think they're happy for anything. So. Yeah. Hey, well, we appreciate you guys being with us. Always refreshing to be around the 204060 crowd. And uh, we'll see you next time.